Welcome back to Factory Sealed, everybody. It is... I can't read the clock. Wednesday, white on white doesn't work. 11, Wednesday, 27, November 13. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for picking that up. Way before... The day before Thanksgiving. It is. In the we America are States. dedicated to not missing a week. You know, we're kind of late. Because this won't, <laughs> this won't get up. I'm probably listening to this on a Saturday. It's a Saturday, but if it's... Recording this on if a Wednesday... If you're listening to it before the day after Black Friday, I sacrificed family time to put this together. So you're welcome. Um, however, in our true dedication to not wanting to miss a week, we are very short-staffed tonight. Uh, the only person joining me tonight is Aaron Robison. Hey, guys. No worry. My dogs are here, too. So Are they going to fill in? Me. Oh, now Fury's sleeping. And Fry's looking at So, I've got one of these Coors Light cans. Okay. That apparently the mountains change blue. Yes. They're, when, when it's they're cold. Blue, they're cold. And if they're not blue anymore, your beer's no longer no, cold. But it goes to, like, light blue when it's super cold. Which makes no sense. You'd think it would get darker as it gets colder. Uh... So I'm actually playing with it, and I'm trying to, like, press my hands against it to see what color it is when it's warm. Mm-hmm. And it goes lighter blue, so apparently my hands make beer super cold. Wait. I don't get it. I think this beer's expired, so... Oh, well... It says April 13 on it. Yeah, it's going to be real stink, skanky by now. Well, Coors Light's skanky. Skanky? Did you say skanky? Skanky. Like it's like it's a skanky beer. Yeah, I don't know if that's right. Well, I'm sure one of our listeners will. I think email it's. Me and... I think it's skunky, skunky. Is the word you're looking for? Skunky. Yeah, no, it's not quite skunky. It's business probably skanky. Hmm. Yeah. Well, in case you haven't noticed, I'm pulling a Kevin Byer tonight and using a real crappy microphone. So if the uh, show quality is a little lower. Sorry. At least I don't sound like a robot. Apparently I sound like a robot yeah. earlier. Yeah, it was strange. This was kind of an impromptu thing. I'm actually in Tucson this week, and uh, I just brought my work computer. I didn't bring any of my recording stuff, so <laughs> this the show quality is going to take a little bit of a dip. But we didn't miss a week, and we that's what counts. We, did that. we, could, we could end the show right now and say we didn't miss a week, so that's pretty good. We should feel pretty Eat. proud. Eads and I actually did that one week where it was just like a like a sixteen minute two man show just to prove that we weren't going to miss a week. All right. But we're here, so it is. It's 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 good to be here. I don't like missing a week. I think what I might do for this show, since we're a short staff, I may have to get out my the eye beholder game and then play the game live here. And then tell you what's happening on the screen. You can ask me questions. And I get it. Say, hey, what do you want me to do? Should I attack this guy or turn him dead or whatever? And that'd be kind of neat. Or really boring. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pr- as much as I love Eye of the Beholder and as much as I want to think our fans would love that, I'm going to go with it. would probably be real boring. I don't know, man. It's Unless pretty, we could see it. It's pretty exciting. Like, get yourself a pair of Google Glass and... Let's figure that out. All right. Well, we'll ship off we'll the show, chip in for those. Or you could just play it on an emulator and live stream it and bypass the whole Google Glass stuff. Uh, I don't know. 
So, Aaron, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Well, we're gonna. I got a family tradition where we stay at home and eat uh, Chinese food. Wait. So no turkey. No. No yams. No. No cranberries. No. No pickles that taste like pine cones. No. We have pickles. I'll probably eat some. Do you know what those pickles are called that taste like pine cones? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. <laughs> they're like the they're like the super sweet dill. Okay. And they they taste very pine coneish. Mm. Guess I don't know what a pine cone tastes like. Well, so okay. That would also be a little. T- <laughs> they taste like what a pine cone smells like. Oh, okay. All right. Because taste and smell are are very similar. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't know uh, what those are called. So you guys just get Chinese food? Yeah, we get Chinese food. Is it just you and your your wife and your daughter, or yeah, it's usually me, and my wife, yeah, and then the dogs. Now, because I used to this... work, I used to work, so we both worked retail, and so we'd all have to we always have to work on front Black Friday, and uh, or at least I did for the last couple of years. So then, you know, we didn't get to go anywhere. It was uh, kind of pointless to drive, you know, two or four hours just to go have lunch and then drive back. Because uh, I had to get up early, you know, Thursday night or whatever, going to work. So, Why would you have to drive four hours? Well, it's for family. It's four hours away. Oh, okay. So, you know, you have to drive, and so we decided to stay home and just relax before the big shopping weekend. You know, but, um, this year we're, we're dog boarding. We have socks and, uh, and Ellie. And, uh, so, yeah, we're just going to sit home with the dogs and do our Chinese. And... When you said dog boarding, like, I, I heard dog but i started thinking waterboarding (laughs) (laughs) waterboarding with dog like no what the fuck's going on well yeah we're not we're not like torturous or anything we just (laughs) so are these people paying you to watch their dogs yes watching other people's dogs a pain in the ass yes they we we uh yes yes they pay us to watch Hmm. so basically your your tradition started out of you didn't want to cook. Partially, yeah. There's that too. So do you guys like go really all out in the Chinese and just get a bunch, or do you just are you kind of modest about it? Nah, we get a bunch. Like we got like two two like, large orders tonight that we're gonna have for tomorrow. Oh, you get it a day early? Yeah. Well, so you have leftover Chinese for Thanksgiving. If you look at it that way, yes. That is how I look at yeah, it. Some, that's all. That's awesome. Yeah. So we have leftover Chinese for Thanksgiving. And uh, so your microwave is your main Thanksgiving cooker. It's the main thing. Usually, though, I'll make. Well, probably I'll make some cookies and some cake, probably because it's cold here. So I like Chinese food and cake does not. Sound well, the cake good. is like way late. I don't eat it like the same time. It's just, you know. That's true. But uh, yeah, that's that's it. So we're gonna do that, and then uh, for once, uh, I don't know the last time we did not have to work. Well, I have to work on Friday, but. I don't have to go in until, like, you know, 8 o'clock, and I'm done at 4. And yeah. I don't have to worry about customers coming in and, and stuff. So it's uh, it'll be a nice change of pace. Um, That's pretty slick. For. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we're just down in Tucson at my grandparents' house this weekend. and Mom, uh, Mom's side or dad's side? Uh, my family is, it's, I don't want to say interesting, but it's my my dad's mom and my dad's stepdad, okay. yet we're down here with 
my wife and my mother. So it's technically my mom's ex-mother-in-law. Got it. That that we're down here with. So my parents my parents split when I was in second grade. Right. And that's the one we bought all your video games. Yes. So she needs to be on. You should go get her out of the other room and say no. you have to make a special appearance. No. This is the woman who got me started in gaming. This is the one who. You know uh, maybe. Maybe next time when I come down, I'll bring I'll bring the the full full equipment and record, and we can have her on. But uh, like that needs to be a full show with Kevin Jess. That's true, but they could have been here, but they bailed. Yeah, they could have been. They could have. Kev been. had to work late, and Jess had to go to bed. Yeah, well, that's understandable. So, yeah, hopefully this year, uh, the people that are doing the turkey last year, mm-hmm. for some reason, for eight. Eight people bought a 55-pound turkey. Okay, that's a pretty big turkey. And they they did it on a grill. Okay. And the turkey was too big for the grill. Yeah. So he when he showed up, he had two five-gallon Home Depot pails with the legs from the turkey, one in each. Uh-huh. And, like, they it was filled with brine and then the big old leg hanging out in there and... And we had to finish cooking it on the grill, and you know, that equates to like seven pounds of turkey per person. Right? Oh my god! Which is way too much. And and me, I'm not a huge turkey fan. I just I hope I nobody had to drive home later. They'll all be dead from taking the falling asleep. Oh my god! Yeah, I I I usually eat very little turkey. Mm. I like ham more. But uh... gotcha. Yeah, ham is good. I like. I'm a little more of a ham, uh, ham guy for the holidays. So let me let me ask you. This is completely aside from anything even remotely video game related. But we got an email from our our superintendent today in the district, and mm-hmm. very very cordial. You know, it's a holiday season, so the superintendent's going to put out an email. Right. And in the email, it his first paragraph was something about you know we should all give thanks like. The pilgrims did on that first dinner with the Native Americans and went on about that whole thing. And I just, I cringed because I couldn't help but see the fallacy within that, you know, after teaching that stuff. And and I was one of those teachers who I actually taught, like, what really happened and okay. what, really, what really didn't happen. And I don't think a lot of people truly understand that, that this whole myth of Thanksgiving never really happened. Right. And I don't know. I just like that. That put me off because I know that a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, it's just Thanksgiving. It's time to get together, with family. Blah blah blah. It's like, yeah, that's great. I mean, we have it. We we need a reason to do that. But like, you look at what we're teaching in the school about Thanksgiving, and it's so false that it just blows my mind. Well, what are they teaching these days? They're still teaching the same thing. Like the 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 Indian or the the British came over and met the Native Americans, and Native Americans were all like, you know what, we're gonna help you out. Let's all get together and work together. And everybody was friends, and they sat down and had a meal every every November, and everything was cool. Uh, like not, that's what they're that's that what they're teaching. Every November, it was like one time. <laughs> so when I was teaching, and I I did this for Columbus Day too, I taught the truth behind it, like. The British came over, and not only were we warmongering, ready to take over, but we were also walking, talking disease factories. And when we showed up, we just kind of went with our disease all over these Native Americans and wiped them out. 
But when we got to that first winter, we couldn't survive and didn't have the know-how or the supplies. So what did we do? We went and pillaged the Native American tribes and took what they had and then basically said, you're going to either help us out or we're going to kill you. And since we came out victorious, we rewrote history to make it seem more appealing. I don't know. Stuff like that bothers me that we teach such falsities in school. Yeah, that's true. But that's that's and, just how, you know, history goes, you know, like the Victor gets but it's, the right. It's fun to teach the right stuff because kids look at you like, really? Like the whole Christopher Columbus thing, teaching that, yeah, he was actually a huge mass murderer. Why are we celebrating a mass murder? When are we going to have Ted Bundy Day? And when are we going to have John Wayne why Gacy? Not, why not Leif Erickson Day since he actually found, yeah. found the first? And then, you know, like, what do you think about uh, American kind of history and what what was our biggest, you know what our, what early America's biggest economic uh, uh, production was for the longest time, you know, for the world? What? Tobacco. Yeah. And uh, so nobody really knows that. But yeah, really, but the America was built upon tobacco leaves. Well, because and we, spring. We had they could do it, and we, we could sell all across the, the world. That was our biggest trade good. Springboarding off of that, I know we're getting really off topic here, but springboarding off that, when, when we look at American history and see see the, the whole era of slavery, what what nationality or what race of people do people most asso- associate with slavery? Well, I suppose the African Americans would be the PC term. <laughs> yes. However... They were the minority of slaves. There weren't as many. I mean, yeah, there were a lot. There was way more than there should have been. Mm-hmm. But we brought slaves with us from Europe, and they were white Anglo-Saxon slaves that populated the majority of the North. Yeah, well, it's just, like we just—I uh, don't know. They were the uh, what were they called? The I just had it to my tongue. They were the uh, the. Oh my God! I feel like an idiot because I can't think of the the. Starts of the nest. You know what I'm talking about. They I were, don't. They were the old uh, sinners. No, not sinners. <laughs> They're like the bottom of the the chain and the you know the history of the not history, but like uh, serfs. Yeah, serfs. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. They were basically serfs, and that's what serfs were mainly just slaves that had the illusion of freedom, which is a lot like our lower class. Or middle class, almost middle class citizens of the USA, where yeah. you know we're not slaves, but we are under the rule of of the economic term. You know, we have to make money, we have to spend money, but we have to have a house. Like you're, you know, you have to get a high paying job to get to pay rent, and the rent is more than you should be able to afford, but you have to pay it because you know you need a place to live. You need it. You need it. And yeah. you, you can never get ahead. Like it's set up so you can never get well, ahead. And the one thing, uh, I guess, to re- what I'm getting at, ultimately what I'm getting at and why I brought it up is when I was teaching, and this didn't sit well with a lot of people, and especially parents, was don't believe everything that you're told just because you're told it by somebody who should be knowledgeable about the situation. Basically, teachers, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit, teachers are teaching out of a teacher's edition textbook or they're regurgitating what they were taught it's that whole game of telephone things get twisted and distorted and you know that's that's that i don't know i get real irritated around these 
times a year for the wrong reason. Like I, right. I, I super enjoy Thanksgiving, but when we talk about that kind of crap, it's like that, that really wasn't how it happened. Yeah. Well, it's all marketing now, man. It's all it is. All holidays are commercialized. Yeah. So I had a, I had a friend who put out a tweet that said something about this November 48 million turkeys are going to be served for Thanksgiving. She's like, how disgusting. And I, I started thinking about that and I broke it down like, okay, there's 300 million Americans and let's assume that everybody's going to partake in some turkey. Mm-hmm. That's roughly a tenth of a turkey per person. And if you assume that there's an average family unit of four and every, fam- un- every family unit gets some turkey, that's less than half a turkey per person or half a turkey per family. How is that absurd? Right. I couldn't wrap my head around that. Yeah, so maybe maybe if somebody out there is real into animal rights, not that I'm not, but if you're real into animal rights and like you can explain to me why that's such a travesty. I mean, think about how many cows die every day. Aaron, we are way off task. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we are so far off task. I don't even know how we got here. But it's a good conversation. I mean, very informing. It is. I if mean, you agree with us, great. Send us some emails. If not, great. Send us some emails. I, yeah, we really we, we are intelligent people who are ninety percent full of shit. So you can take it. That sort of thing. No kidding. <laughs> Everybody's got their opinion. Everybody's got. This some is what this truth. is what it was like with but, having me as a teacher. Because I know a lot of people are like, yeah, hey, it would have been great to have you as a teacher. Like, okay, you know. I how I am is how I was in the classroom. I didn't sugarcoat crap. Right. So here's here's something that though because we have two people on the show that are from Canada and we have a lot of listeners from Canada. I found this book. Um, I found a picture of a book. Um, that said, what I don't remember. I gotta remember. But it basically said how how Canada is really in charge of of America. Uh, it was written by these two guys, and it was yeah, and it was all about how the Canadian government was actually in control of the United States government this entire time. But the Canadian government is controlled by Parliament over in England. <laughs> I'm gonna get some terrible hate mail about that because I'm probably totally wrong. I don't freaking know. All I know is they have a mayor who does crack cocaine and loves porn. Yeah. Well, who doesn't, man? Come on. Come on. At least he's honest about it. Yeah, okay. yeah. got to give him credit. I know, he's not so, my mayor, so it doesn't really bother me what he does. In this I guess I'd time. rather have a mayor who comes out and says, yeah, I do this, than one who does it and says, no, I don't. Right. Yeah, nobody likes that guy. Hell, even if the president said that he did that well, crap and he was really doing it and owned up to it, like, I can respect a guy who owns up to what he does. Right. We talked about the Clinton uh, the Clinton yes. thing for a while. Then did I tell you the, the Tyson chicken story? Not, do you know about the Tyson chicken? With Clinton? Yeah. No. All right. So back when Does this have anything to do with video games? No, but we've already okay, talked good. about it, so now I'm going <laughs> to keep it keep it up. But uh, Shit. this is, uh, yeah, back when he, I think he was running for governor. He was like a governor of uh, Arkansas back in the day when this all happened, but there was a big conspiracy. And when he was running for president, this, was, this made a big thing. This is how I learned about it, because uh, they were showing this video about how uh, President, or not, Governor Clinton, was basically uh, allowing the, the the smuggling of cocaine 
through Tyson's chicken. So he would he would load up like Tyson's chickens trucks and deliver the chickens out there, but so they wouldn't get inspected. But then there was cocaine in the Tyson's chicken. Jeez, <laughs> that. that's a awesome. Big conspiracy because I guess somebody died oh, for a cover up or something. So it was like a big deal. I just I just I just find that funny. It's like, wow, okay. Smuggling cocaine through Tyson's chicken. All right. <laughs> Sounds like something straight out of Breaking Bad. Yeah, all right. All right. How about we talk about some games, Aaron? All right, let's talk about some games. So this isn't necessarily a retro game, but I feel like it ties in with the theme of retro all right. because of how it, how how the game is. So last Friday, I I personally bought the very first game for my 3DS since I've had it for a year and a half now. So I bought the 3DS. It came with three games. And my wife bought me a game in the interim, and my mother bought me a game for Christmas. And that's it. I have yet to actually purchase a game myself. So last Friday I went out, and I bought the brand new Zelda Link Between Worlds game because Mm -hmm. one of my all-time favorite action RPGs was the original, super not original, but the Super Nintendo Zelda alongside the Game Boy Color or right. the Game Boy Zelda, mm-hmm. just because they're so similar in how they play. And I was really, really pumped because this game, I think, falls into a very, very unique category that I would actually like to see more of. Okay. Um, this game, is it's not only a sequel, but and I've been trying to figure out how to categorize this. It's a sequel slash HD remake slash homage. All right. Because it takes place in the exact same world. Mm-hmm. There, there's a few, few minor tweaks to how things are laid out. But by and large, if you played a lot of the Zelda on Super Nintendo, you're going to know the world map. Like, hands down. You're going to know it. You're going to know where to go. Um, there may be a few extra things here and there that they've added for some pizzazz. But by and large, the game is exact. Isn't it the same game with a different twist now? No. No. So essentially what it is and this is this is what's so cool about this game is that there are so many nods to different Zelda games that have existed throughout all platforms mm-hmm. it's just it's mind blowing because you wake up it's it's very similar to the Super Nintendo one where you wake up in your your little house on the bed and then you get up and somebody's talking to you and the first thing that i noticed hanging on the wall was the mask from Majora's Mask and as you come outside, there's a brand new Hyrule theme, and it, it kind of grated on me a little bit because it was like this very twangy acoustic guitar Hyrule theme right. with a pan with like a pan flute in the back. And you've got your first, you know, the, basically this, this sorcerer comes to the world, and he's turning people into paintings, and he's trying to revive the Seven Sages to revive Ganon. And that's, that's the gist of the story. It's very similar to A Link Between Worlds. And what's really cool about it is that everybody that you talk to in that game kind of throws back to what you, the player, did 20 years ago. So they're talking about the legend of the old hero who banished Ganon and, and saved the Dark World. And, and they're, they're reveling in that, and they're talking about that, but they don't know if it really happened. Okay. Because, again, it's it's just legend. Mm-hmm. And you like that connects with you, especially if you played a lot of that game as a kid, because you're like, these people are talking about something I did 20 years ago, 20, 22 years ago. I think it came out in 91. And like that personal connection, it's not a direct breaking down of the fourth of the fourth wall, 
but they're connecting with you through that because you're saying, guess what? You get to do this again. You did it once before. Now you get to do it again. You're the new hero. You're the, you're, you're the chosen one that gets to save Hyrule again. So throughout your, your little introduction quest, you have to get these three pendants and, um, you go to fight this sorcerer and he says, you know what? You're such a weakling. And he, he throws you up against the wall as a painting, but you have this magical bracelet you were given that allows you to come out from the painting. And that's how you get your power to like pop in and out of the walls, which is phenomenal. It's that is a super cool power. And going back to playing any other Zelda game is going to be really hard not to have that, that ability because you look at a gap and before it's like, well, crap, I don't have the hook shot. Now it's like, press yourself up against the wall and walk around. Um, But like I was saying before, there's so many homages to the different Zelda games in terms of the items and especially the music. So you walk into the town, and I don't remember what the town was called in the Super Nintendo version. Do you? Nah, I couldn't tell you. Never played. Because now, now it's called. You never played a Link to the Past. Mm-mm. Oh my God, Eric! I've told you already, man. I'm not. I wasn't like. Uh, you need to play it. You need to play it. It's one of those games. I don't. I don't recommend like a lot of games to people, but you need to play a Link to the Past just because it's so iconic and it's like one of it's it's the picture of perfection for action rpgs um anyway it's called kakariko village which is one of the villages from uh ocarina of time okay and you go into some of the buildings and one of the most important i guess one of the most memorable things for me about ocarina of time was that first little hut that you wake up in and the music that's playing because you were there for so long that you can that music kind of sticks with you. That's the music that plays when you go inside people's houses. Mm-hmm. So they're pulling music from different Zelda games, and they've got different they've got different enemies from different games. They've got little items hanging on the wall, and it's just it's such a neat combination of things all wrapped into a new game. But it feels like you're playing all of your old favorite retro games. Okay. Well, I mean. That concept sounds really good, and I've heard a lot of people talk about how good the game is. So I'm, I guess I'll maybe have to give it a shot. It's yeah, it's it's really interesting the way that it's done because, and it would only work on the 3DS. Um, yeah, you're playing in the same world, and the first the first dungeon was almost identical to the the first dungeon that you do in the Super Nintendo game, but I think that was just to familiarize people with it and say. Okay, let's let's ease you into this. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they threw in a few cool things, but without the 3D, like people who play this on a 2DS are really really missing out because they've structured this game to be vertical, and a lot of the levels that you're in, you're you're moving up and down throughout the level, and and, and having that extra 3D field of depth, it, it just makes it so much more immersive. And the cool thing about this is that. I don't know if it's the first, but it's one of the few that I, a few 3DS games that I've ever seen that actually runs in 60 frames per second. Oh my and gosh, that's pretty good. All the other 3DS games, yeah, all the other 3DS games that I have, I put the 3D on and I'm like, this is cool, and then I get a headache. I have not turned the 3D off on this game yet. Well, there's the dogs. You guys miss out on them. Wow. Hey, shush, shush. There's nobody at the door. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I have I haven't turned the 3D off on this game yet. It's just it's so much fun. The music is phenomenal. And what's one of the things that I guess not a lot of people might catch 
is that once you get your full quest and you become the destined hero, the overworld music changes from that twangy kind of acoustic pan flute overworld theme to like the iconic link to the past overworld theme. And it just kind of, every time you're out in the field, you're like, all right, I'm playing a new game, but you're connected with that old part of you. And I I wish more games would do stuff like this where they, they HD remake slash create a new game one in the same. And I don't, I can't think of any other games that have done this. Um, you know, 2011, 2012 kind of seemed to be the years of HD remakes, but nothing was done quite as cool as this. And I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't think I'm overplaying it because I get really excited about games when I first pick them up. But this is a week later, and I was sitting at work today, and I brought my 3DS with, so it was sitting in the car, and it, it was just like. It was super difficult for me to not just go out to my car and grab my 3DS and play while sitting at my desk. Like, this game's that good. Okay. Well, I know those types of games. I know those games that I get into and I can't put down. Um, the other th- the other thing I want to mention, too, th- that a lot of people who played older Zelda games, this game plays exactly the same. If you played any of the top-down Zelda games, Link to the Past, the original one... Um, any of the Game Boy ones, like Link's Awakening, Oracle Season, Oracle of Ages, you're going to be right at home. However, what's really cool, and this is the biggest throwback, is that you played the original Zelda, right? Uh, yes, I did play the original. Yes. So w- in that game, you could actually complete the dungeons in absolutely any order that you wanted to. But ever since then, they've kind of led you by the hand through which ones you should go to because this dungeon you need this item to get and you can only get this item from the previous dungeon and although it was still cool they 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 held your hand through it and it still felt a tad linear this game does away with that you can tackle the dungeons in whatever order you want and in order to do that with all the items there's a shop where you can actually go and from the very beginning of the game you can rent every single weapon. You can rent it. You can just and it's rent like, it? You can rent it, and if you die, then you lose all those weapons and you have to go re-rent them. Mm. Um, but money is very abundant in this game, so you can actually go and purchase the item. It costs like 800 rupees to purchase, but then when you die, it's yours. Um, so I'm probably two dungeons in, and I've bought a third of the items so far. So it does take a while, but I have yet to die and lose all the items. Okay. So... Um, it's a it's a neat concept because I think a lot of people would have been kind of taken aback had they gone all the way back to the original Zelda and said, "Okay, it's just on you, but you kind of have to figure it out." Right. Um, it just it just really leaves it open for you and how you want to play. Hmm. But right. I I can't recommend it enough. Like to me, every console has a system seller, and this game is the reason to buy a 3ds. Okay. If you don't have a 3DS and you've, you've been wanting to get one and you like Zelda, buy one. Friday, Target is going to have... If you live in America, Friday's Target's going to have the Zelda 3DS XL bundle for 150 bucks. So that that's an XL bundle? Yeah, but it's the special edition gold Zelda one. Yeah. So well, The reason why it, I asked because you said that, and I was like, holy crap, that's... Uh... That's a pretty good deal for a 3DS. Well, the, three, XL, the 3DS XL is... Is it a download version of the game? No, it's it's just a download yeah. version, yeah. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Now. But it's still but a still, fantastic deal for a 3DS XL. Yeah. So, so I, I get, you know, I, don't, I know we don't 
talk about current games, but I felt like this game was enough of a throwback to old games that it kind of fit. Right. So. Makes sense to me. I mean, like, I was trying to think of what other games I would really like to see redone in this style, and I'm actually kind of hoping that with the new Oddworld, new and tasty edition, that they do a little bit of this, but again, I think that's still just going to be a direct HD remake. Okay. Yeah, and I, I got the Odd World. I downloaded it, uh, the Odd World HD remake of uh, for the Vita. Yeah, that game's so good. Um, I think I'm gonna probably play it tomorrow. It's. Did you play the Xbox version when no. it first came out? Mm-mm. No, I missed. It's, I didn't have an Xbox. Did you play the original Odd World? I games? played the original Odd World game when it first came. This out. game. This game is nothing like that. Those original two were like side-scrolling, super difficult puzzle games. This is a first-person. I don't want to call it shooter, but it's a, it's a first slash third person shooter slash bounty hunter game, mm. and it's phenomenal. This game. I I don't want to say it has the the best twist in gaming, but if you if you look at any respectable list of of gaming twists or plot twists um, aside from some of the more major games this one is one of the best gaming plot twists I've ever come across really? like it was just so mind blowing if if you can try to avoid it or if it hasn't already been spoiled for you it's it is a mind shattering twist alright well I haven't has not been spoiled yet so I'll keep an eye and the other game that I downloaded uh, was uh, Shadow of Colossus um, oh, for the PS3? The PS3. And that's, I know it's a PS2 game, so that's considered retro now, I think. Uh, now that they're on the yeah. PS4. So, I do want to give that one a go. Uh, I never did that play one, that I, one myself. I bought it when it came out, and I just, I respect Team Ico, but I couldn't get behind that game. I mean, yeah, it was cool, but it got real repetitive after the third Colossus. It's like, alright. Well, luckily there's only gonna... seven. So. <laughs> yeah. They get progressively more difficult, but I just, I don't know. To me, the world felt very barren, and maybe that's what they were going for, like this this feeling of desolation, and you're in this world all by yourself trying to save your true love. And um, I liked the concept of it, because in order to save your, your, your true love, you have to destroy these seven colossus gods that when you kill them, they're gone, and like these are the 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 deities of the world, right? And it's a it's a neat concept. I really like it. But um, I I downloaded it. I actually have the the disc collection of it, and I should probably get around to playing it. Did you ever play Ico? Uh, I did play Ico when it first came out on the PS2, and uh, I don't know. I I couldn't get into that game at that time. I, it felt it just seemed like a weird thing, but then like I played it uh, when they announced that it was coming. The HD versions were coming on PS3. I played it at the at E3, and I was like, okay, I mean, this is kind of a neat little game, but I don't know. Still, I just never. It got to it got a little. I don't want to say repetitive, but I got super frustrated constantly having to walk this girl through the. It's basically a game of follow the leader. Because oh. you just lead this girl through the whole game, and sometimes you have to leave her somewhere so you can climb up a ladder and lower something. But in the meantime, these shadows are coming out, and they're pulling her down into the ground. So you got to be like, okay, jump down from what you're doing, save her. And she's just 
your typical completely helpless damsel <laughs> who can't she physically cannot do anything. Oh. But it's a cool game. I mean, it's got some neat concepts to it. The set pieces are really cool. Um I don't I think it's the the spiritual predecessor to Shadow of the Colossus. They share a lot of the same. Yeah, I think Ico came out first for sure. I mean, that was like almost oh, yeah. a PS2 launch title and then yeah. Shadow Colossus kind of came out near the end. That game's real rare too. If you were to ever I know when I worked at GameStop when it was there, it was super expensive. Probably like 45-50 bucks for a used PS2 game. Yeah. And that's I think in the 3 years, 2 years I was there, I saw it maybe 4 times. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing Ico quite a few times, but like I said, yeah, it would it wouldn't stay long. It would come in no. and be gone. Yeah. So Well. So know. what did you what have you been playing, Aaron? Well, other than Eye of the Beholder, which actually Jesse's been playing more than I have because he plays it during, I bring it to work and he plays it during his break times. Um, <laughs> he's actually Are you still playing the four clerics? Yeah, I got the four clerics. We picked up, uh, we keep picking up people along the way because we meet people and they ask to join. And we're like, all right, fine. Um, but for the most part, it's just the four clerics. Uh, they get to do anything in the game, so... Um, Getting by, we're level three now, so we we beat the second level. We're on the third level now. Um, oh jeez! Now there's all these teleporting holes that we have to kind of find our way through the maze to figure out where we're going. Um, that was the last time we, we played it there. So, but uh, so far um, they're making it through. I might actually beat this game starting with four clerics. Be excited! Wow, wow. Yeah. that'd be impressive. When you uh, when you beat it, you got to take a screen capture of it and prove it. All right. I'll uh, do something. I can do that. Got my. Phone I guess I forgot that. I, that I forgot that that game is. It's a first-person dungeon crawler, right? Yeah, it's a first-person dungeon crawler until you get into a battle, and it goes to the isometric kind of grid. See, and there's a view. there's another DS series that that just I don't want to say it just came out, but it's it's kind of becoming mainstream. Uh, the Etrian Odyssey series. Yeah, those uh picked up recently, especially with that latest 3DS uh, release. Yeah, the like, Path of the Titans. Yeah. Uh, and I'm kind of tempted to buy it because it's an Atlas game, and Atlas always does limited prints of their games. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I were to to buy that, it might be a limited print. But I think the DS version, the Etrian Odyssey 4, or 3 for D, the original DS is even harder to find, so that would be one well, worth one buying. Is. The 4 you can actually find pretty easily, I think. Um, yeah. New main It comes in a... It comes in a big package, too. Yes. There's a lot of stuff in there. Yes, that one does come in that special edition package. That's the one thing they said, though, about that game, is that it's it's such a throwback to the old games. And I think I read one place where they made a comparison to Eye of the Beholder because it's it's kind of off-putting to have that first-person perspective for a dungeon crawler. That, let's see. The other game, and this is uh, this brings up a point for, uh, for remaking games, but uh, I started playing Skyrim again. Okay. And uh, I'm just trying to... Right now, I'm, I'm basically uh, level grinding. I'm basically just trying to level up. Um, so I'm doing stuff I never did with my character. It's like I'm doing alchemy now and trying these kind of... Did you start a new stuff. game, or are you no, picking up? I'm still picking up. I picked up on my, my older one, um, my Red Guard, uh, like, warrior, basically. And, uh, you know, I've got the smithing all the way 100. I've got enchanting all the way to 100. You know, my one-handed, my heavy armor is pretty good. But now I can't seem to level fast enough because everything that I'm doing, I can't 
getting up at speed force. Now I'm trying to do all the little stuff. So I'm trying to do the conjuration, the yeah. alchemy, you know, it's that slow going stuff. I'm trying not to die. Are you are you playing this on PS3 or 360? 360. See, I had to give up because my PS3, the the copy after Hearthfire and Dragonborn came out, it just every time I'd go through a door, it would it got to the point where it would take five minutes to go through a door. Mm. So it's Skyrim's on sale on Steam right now for seven fifty. So I'm super tempted to pick it up because then I can seven fifty on Steam. So I could get all these, that. I could get all these mods for it. Right. Yeah, I may but, be, uh, may get it because I may start a new character. If I can get it for seven fifty, that's a pretty good deal. And the the thing the that, but but back to my point before we get into more of that. <clears throat> yes, I, was, I, mean, I was talking to I think I was talking to Jesse about this. Pretty sure, yes, I was. And uh, those are the games, like all those Elder Scroll games. I know they came out of that anthology that has all of them in there. But what I wouldn't mind them doing, they would, they would sell tons. <clears throat> this goes along with the Final Fantasy theme too, I suppose. But just mm-hmm. remake Morrowind and Oh, thank, that's exactly what I was going to say. And just remake them with the Skyrim rule. Like, gameplay sets because they, they streamlight it so much that it's so much easier to play and go but well, just like update the world update the graphics i don't want them <clears throat> to change how you level up all i want them to change especially in morrowind would be uh, the hit detection because although morrowind still remains my favorite elder scrolls game i went back and played it and when you're swinging, and even when you do make contact, it just doesn't feel like you're making contact. It almost feels like an original Dungeons & Dragons with dice rolling in the background when yeah. it's supposed to be real-time hit detection. Right. And I just can't get behind that. It, I mean, I absolutely love it. That first that first time that I, I played Elder Scrolls, um, one of my buddies, his his dad was the, the president of a bank. So they had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And... Game, PC gaming, like true gaming rigs, at that point still hadn't evolved to what they are today. You'd still go to the store and you would just buy a PC that, that would game. be able yeah. to play these games. I mean, you could build your own if you wanted to, but we really weren't into that. Mm. So his parents went out and bought a brand new like $1,500 desktop, and that was unheard of. Just right. absolutely unheard of. And it had a graphics card powerful enough to play Morrowind. And I remember him buying it. And I went over, and he just said, "Here you go." And he created a new character for me, and I was so drawn in by like you're you're in that boat, and I still remember it. you're underneath, and you're the prisoner, and like popping up and seeing Satanin for the first time, and then just being like, "I can do whatever I want," and I just I lost it. Like that to me was the coolest thing. Right. That was a turning point in gaming for me, and like I. I love these games because I didn't play Arena or Daggerfall. Yeah, I didn't play those either. And unfortunately, I didn't have the fortune to play on a PC, so I had to play the Xbox version. Which, mm-hmm. you know, for well, for a console to have a game like that was no that that, that was no easy thing to no. accomplish. And that's what that's what made the Xbox. I think that I mean Halo did, and then that game I think because they didn't have it on any other system. But you yeah, I mean. That. Not a lot of people. The hard drive, didn't they, for that game on the Xbox? Yeah. Yeah, so that was part of it. I mean, you go back and play it now, and you you hit like a little microsecond of a a loading screen every 100 feet, but in 2002, you didn't give a shit. Right. You could go wherever you wanted, and there was no loading screen. Yeah. 
And it was just the, it was the coolest thing. Yeah. And like I would there there are I think I've seen there are mods where you can turn you have to have the Oblivion Game of the Year edition and Skyrim, but there's a mod where you can put Skyrim graphics into Oblivion. That'd be pretty neat. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. It's the other way around. It's uh, you can put Oblivion graphics into Morrowind. Still pretty neat. <laughs> but it changes the it changes the architecture though. And to me, um, when Dragonborn came out, Dragon no was Dragonborn the one where you go back to Morrowind. Uh, the no. DLC? No, that's... Was, well, you go to Solstein in Dragonborn, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so that's... You're going back to Morrowind. You're going back to the, the one of the provinces of Morrowind. Right. Like, to me, that was super cool, because you get off the boat, and it starts playing the Morrowind theme, and you just kind of... You, you kind of recall all those memories that you had when you first played that, and you got out into the open world, and the architecture was the same, and you saw all these guys in the bone meal armor, and it was so cool. Like I just I enjoyed that DLC. For me, that was one of the best pieces of DLC. Granted, I, you know, Bethesda gave me a download code for it because there's no way in hell I was going to pay twenty bucks for a piece of DLC. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was cool. Yeah, I haven't done that one yet. I'm still I've done the the Dawn Guard and I've started the Hearthfire, but I've not done the uh... Dawn Guard's great. Yeah, Dawn Guard is a phenomenal DLC. Uh, Dragonborn was a little bit lacking, but it was still cool. But I don't know, because I tried to go back and play Morrowind, and I tried to go back and play Oblivion, um, and I just, the way that you play the game and you kind of level or gain experience, it was just, it's too much, because you can only pick one thing, and that's pretty much what you're going to what you're gonna be doing. Yeah. And, well, I don't know, and then I thought, thought like, you know, I definitely like the way they changed lock picking and things like that. And this is the little things, but I just would like to see if they could remake those with a new set, like the Skyrim set. Uh, you know, even update the graphics a little bit. I would love to play those games again. And what it would and be I think better, I, yeah, is if they got them together and throw out the things. And I thought they were going to do this with the Elder Scrolls Online, but I don't think they're going to. Is if you have those characters and you have all three games and you do stuff, I want you to like, you know, like with Hearthfire, you can build your own house and things like that in short. I want you to be able to leave stuff. And then when you go to the next game, which is like always, you know, in the future, you can actually go find find stuff that you've left. Mm-hmm. But I know that'd be probably a programming nightmare. Oh, yeah. But that would be really cool to me if they do something like that. Right. Well, back to what you are saying about how they're leveling up, I think the, the that Morrowind and Oblivion were kind of the missing link for transitioning from the old JRP, uh, JRPG style of... Uh, of gaming to what we have now where it's it's radiant you can do whatever you want you can upgrade your character how you want and you're not you're not stuck with what you pick you can change uh, because old rpgs just kind of leveled you up automatically you just had to get enough points and it said guess what here you go now you've got this ability and guess what here you go now you've got this ability and yeah. and then they introduced the skill trees kind of like you had in in diablo but you know that was still very linear and then you had kind of what you did in Marwin, where you could kind of tailor your character, but it was still artificial at best. Because what you picked, you were stuck with. Your star sign that you picked, your your major skills, and then your minor skills, you were stuck with those. If you ever wanted one of your minor skills to become a major skill, you couldn't do it. Right. And the the unfortunate thing about those games that Skyrim fixed was that you don't know what kind of character you really want to be 70 hours from now. Right. And 
I put two, three hundred hours into Morrowind, and by the end, I'm kind of like, I don't really like this character. I mean, I, I'm used to him, but I kind of wish I would have been able to do this, and I really wish I would have been able to do that, and I hate doing this. But you look at that clock, and you say, I've got way too damn much time into this to start over. Right. Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing with this Redguard and Skyrim, because it's like, okay, you went all this way. Now, granted, the monsters are a lot harder. Well, now my job's a lot harder, because now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a mage. So I'm not going to wear armor anymore. I'm going to but wear you can robes. do that. And I can do that in this. You couldn't do that, like you said, in the other ones. So you couldn't, you know, you know, change that. So you'd always make a new character. And you could play the best of time in that character. And then, of course, you play on the PC. It's so easy to cheat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like because it's possible, it's really easy to do it. And then, you know, all you have to do is, like, jump to get your, you know, acrobatic skill high and do things like well, that I've, without actually that... doing anything. That that was just that wasn't a, a PC only thing. I remember doing that in Morrowind. Everywhere I was going, I was jumping. Yeah, well, that that Absolutely was just in the game in general. But on the PC, you you could get in there and just change your stats. You know, you yeah, know. you could open the command line <laughs> yeah. and just I'm gonna do this. Right. But it's little things like that that have still carried over. Any RPG where I can jump, I'm jumping wherever I go. <laughs> and a lot of people attribute that to oh old platforming game. No, for me it was Morrowind. Yeah. I jump everywhere I go. It's got to skip down the road, man. Skip down the road. <laughs> I think you're right. If I had to choose one game, one game to see an HD remake of, I know somebody emailed us about this a while ago, and I'm going to retract my answer, and I want to say Morrowind, like a true HD remake of it. Maybe update the combat system, kind of like what they're doing with the Oddworld game. They're, it's the same game, but they've updated it. Right. Well, like I said, I would love they that. could still do that, I think. They just had the Morrowind that w- with Skyrim. That would be with the Skyrim. But I know it's different such, gameplay. That would be such a colossal undertaking, though. Uh, you know, with, with Fallout 4 inevitably going to be announced in a couple weeks, and then you would got to know they're working on Elder Scrolls 6. That... Yeah, but then so think about that. Okay, so there's all these Elder Scrolls games they're working on for the future. They already The nice thing is they already have the old stuff. So they just have to like update it and just 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 imagine what even like Skyrim or Oblivion or Morrowind, any of those games, even the new upcoming games are coming out. What that is going to look like on these new consoles? Like I, I can't even fathom. <laughs> what's what's interesting is is uh, you said they have all the old assets, and I just read a story about the team behind the Kingdom Hearts HD Remix 1.5. They didn't have any of the original source material. All of the original assets had disappeared. Really? So essentially, they had to reconstruct the game from the ground up. Wow. So that's why that game took so long. Right. I thought that was super interesting because if if that were me and I would and I saw that all those original assets were gone, like fuck that. No thanks. Yeah, you guys can live without it. Wow. Just put it on PCSX2 and turn on your high graphics. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So, um, what else have you been playing? Uh, that's uh, That's been pretty much what I've been doing other than, other than Madden, as usual. But I kind of skipped over to the Skyrim playing that. Um, haven't done a lot of the... Uh, I have a lot of retro games on my list that I told people I was going to play. But I'm trying. To, I'm still trying to find... Shadowrun. 
Shadowrun? For the SNES. I, don't... I cannot find it. I, I've, I've looked in ROMs. I've looked here. I've looked there. I, I think I, I think it. I talked about that last show, didn't I? Yeah. A little bit? Probably, yeah. I think so. I'll wait till you play Foster it and we can... Yeah. So I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to, I'm trying, I want to play that. And then, you know, well, we've kind of been out. The problem is we get so many requests from our, from our fans that write in, hey, play this, play this. We just don't have the time to play all of them. So it's almost like we got to, like, okay, we got these, and then we'll go through these and then play, or each one of us play one and then talk about it. Because I feel like we're so far behind on our requests to play games that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it's still nice to hear what people want us to play right. because, you know, when I'm sitting at home and I don't really have anything to do, I'll just pop in and and play some of those games that are requested. And if I like it, I'll play some more of it. But, you know, sometimes I just like this game sucks. It's not worth playing. So you want to do some emails, Aaron? Let's do some emails. Can't remember if we read this email last time from Michael Kelso. The Neo Retro. Yeah, did we read that last I time? I think you might have read his, but you didn't read Ed Boy's. Didn't I? No. I think I did. I yeah, I did. I don't remember. Mjorn. I think you read his. Yeah, you read. Mjorn. I think I. I think I read Ed Boy's. Uh, let's go up to Nick Gidry. He says, hey, guys and gal. Oh, you forgot. The one that's new is that Patricia with the intellectual thrillers. Oh, wait. We oh. did read Nick Gidry's. I'm sorry. Patricia Ptasic writes in, dear beloved factory sealer crew. I'm assuming they meant sealed. One of my favorite games of the season was Bioshock Infinite. The story was what really drew me in. It was one of the first mind-bending, philosophically stunning games that I have ever played. It left me craving for more. I was wondering if you guys knew of any similar retro titles that confuse the mind beyond belief. Intellectual thrillers are pretty rare within my realm of retro games. Zelda, Pokemon, etc. And I'd love some suggestions that fit this genre. Thanks for your time, Alex? Yeah. How are you going to spawn email address or something? But it says in the email, Alex Ptasic, but the name is Patricia. Is there something you're not telling us, Alex? Oh. Either way. Bioshock Infinite was phenomenal. Um, I did have a few qualms with it. It was, it was good, but it did have a phenomenal twist. It, only if you actually played the original two Bioshock games. If you didn't, that whole twist at the end was kind of lost on you. And I'm assuming a lot of people were in that same boat. But um, I think philosophically stunning games or mind-bending games are, are kind of a recent invention. Yeah, I mean, I think there's more for PC for that than the console market because... You know, if you're talking about intellectual games, I'd have to go back to games by Sierra for the PC. You know, all of those had those, like, you know, I twists think, and, and makes you think when, when you're playing the game. I think what what retro games did better than philosophically stunning games like that that just blew your mind away, they had 
they focused more on like good stories and stories that you could try to personally connect with rather than trying to be as philosophical as possible. Because at times it felt like Infinite was trying to be too in your face with philosophy and like trying really hard. Right. It was good. But um, I don't know. It's That's difficult. I think I, I want to say Alundra for PlayStation. Um you know, it's it's a Zelda clone basically, but it had such a phenomenal story that went along with it that there are times where you you, you kind of start to to really feel for the characters within the game. Um, but I can't off the top of my head, I can't think of any philosophical retro games. Yeah, I was thinking about that one a little bit. I bet I bet Jess would have a good suggestion for that. If you know, if you want to help. Alex slash Patricia out. Uh, let us know. Write in something, and we'll we'll read it next time. Because um, you know we're kind of put on the spot with all these, so we're we're kind of thinking on our toes here. Uh, if you guys can think of something, write it in factory sealed at manatank dot com. Let's see. We've got one from Nick Nick Gidry. This is for you, Eric. It is for me. It says this one is for Eric. I know how much you rave about Mega Man one through seven. But did you at all enjoy the X series? I know they're substantially easier than the previous installments, but I found the polished graphics, spot-on controls, and character enhancements to be an excellent upgrade to an already great product. Also, the Japanese Rockman and Forte is a great game if you like the X series. Love the show. Always look forward to new episodes. Nick Gidry sent from my iPhone. Uh, I did play the X series. Um, It didn't pull me in as much as the original series because like you said it was substantially easier i think they gave you too many crutches to fall back on uh although it was really cool some of the game elements they threw in like the ability to jump on walls or climb up walls and then do like a a super jump off the wall across a big gap um it took that element of of skill slash luck away from jumping over pits because in the x series if you jumped and fell into a pit you could still save yourself and I didn't like that because to me that took away the essence of Mega Man where you had to be perfect. Every time. You had to be perfect, no questions, otherwise you're toast. And even the one through seven series is a little guilty of becoming too easy. Like one is just brutally difficult. There's there's no forgiveness in that game at all. And then as you go on, like I think three they introduce the Mega Buster and then it's either three or four where they introduce the slide, and then things from there just start to get progressively easier but um the x series was great i really like it for what it is but i'm i am definitely more of a a Mega Man purist i like Mega Man. i just grew out of Mega Man. see and i didn't i never there was a period where i stopped playing it but whenever my sister and i would go on road trips we'd always play Mega Man. right and that's the thing you yeah, that, and like I said, I can still sit down and play Mega Man, but I'm one of those people that don't play Mega Man and go, God damn it, I remember how hard this stupid game is. <laughs> yeah, and I like that. That's that's why I was so drawn to Demon right. Souls, and that's why I'm kind of drawn in by Etrian Odyssey, because I hear it's super difficult. Yeah. So I just like those games that challenge you. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of these marshmallow fluff games that just kind of guide you through everything, and and it's this, this Zelda game I'm playing is great because it, I've kind of become conditioned to just follow the star and, and follow the compass to your next objective, and now they don't have that. They just say, figure it out. 
Right. So, uh, last question here from Mark Haddock. He says, hey, guys, I have a question for you. If you had to start your gaming collection over again, is there anything you would do different? Is there a console you wouldn't get or one you never had and would add? I asked this as a two month as two months ago we had our house broken into and my entire gaming collection comics and toys were taken. I find myself having to start our holy shit. Inside job. Inside job. Dude, I'm sorry, that sucks. Yeah. Like super big time sucks. I read this and I about I about cried, to be honest, when I first read it. I oh my god! I was I was just thinking about what if that happened to me? I would have to hunt somebody down. And... I don't. <laughs> I, I I don't claim to have a, a huge collection, but I think everybody's video game collection is is personal. Um, I know with current generations, a lot of people just buy the games to buy them. But as a generation passes, or if as you're collecting older games, you buy games that have have meaning or that you really want to have in your collection. So my PS one collection is almost entirely hard to find RPGs, like super hard to find and and expensive games. Right. Um, And the thing that sucks is that as a game collector, you like to display your stuff. Right. So, well, there's another part of it too, that I, that thing for me, for example, is uh, I like the games that I buy and I, I bought, I unwrapped, and I played, and I and I keep. And they may not be in the perfect and excellent condition, but I know the history of where that case and game have been. And yeah. you know, sure, if I lost it, I I would lose it. It would suck, but it doesn't maybe hold a monetary value like to anybody. But that, but I don't want to go out and buy another one, even if it might be cheaper. You know, now because it's not it's your not game. my game, and it's it it's that's that's the. the what really gets me about this guy's email, you know, it's like even if he did have to go restart, you know, that they're not his. Because you, you can, know, he doesn't have you a can story. replace the game. You can't replace the memories tied. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't say it like that because you still have the memories of the game, but like that physical disc. Right. Where did you find it? How? Where did you get it? How did you get it? And, you know. Because if there's a if there's a big scratch on the top of it, you know how that scratch got there, and like every time you see it, you're reminded of that. Right. And. Dude, that really sucks, man. I don't, I don't like. And the the sad thing is, is that the person who stole all that stuff probably just went and hawked it. Yeah. So I guess to address his question, if there's anything I would do differently if I had to start over, it would be going back and telling myself at the end of a console generation not to trade in all my games. I traded in almost <laughs> all of my PS1 games when PS2 came out just because I wanted to get two or three PS2 games. And I mean, I traded so many good games. And I've had to find myself rebuying them. And for the same, the very same reason, I don't have that connection. Right. It's like, great, great, I have that disc. But I look at my copy of Oddworld and think, that's the first game I ever, ever got on my PS1. And then I look at my copy of Armored Core for PS2 and say... I got that as my first launch title for 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 PS2, and I look at my copy of Resistance and say I, that was my launch game for PS3. Right. And I still have my original. I have my original uh, Link's Awakening for Game Boy, and I have two copies. And the only one, the only reason I know which copy is is mine from when I was a kid is because 
the old Game Boy cartridges had that thumb indent on them where you could press in and slide out. Mine, where the sticker right below that was so worn out from me taking it in and taking it out and putting it in so often that the top of that sticker is is faded from me pressing on it so much. Right. It's like little things like that. Yeah. You have a connection with it. You're like, I played this when I was 10. Well... One, I just get pissed. Oh, I get yeah. frustrated hearing about this. One one thing that I would have done differently is I definitely would not have traded my Super Nintendo and all my games for Magic cards in high school. Oh, I, I definitely would not have done that. <laughs> Unless you traded it for that Magic card that's worth twenty three grand. Yeah, yeah, I did not. I, I ended up. I think I'm pretty sure I got the raw end of the deal and got a bunch of shit cards. Yeah. I didn't want anymore. But uh, suckers born every minute. Yeah, but at the same time, I wasn't really playing it and all that stuff. But either way, I went on that. I think I probably would have um, had if I had the chance. I definitely wouldn't have lost. Well, I think my my ColecoVision was. I think we gave it to our next door neighbors when we moved because um, they didn't really have anything, and so we were we just be nice to hear you can have this. Now it's back in what nineteen eighty seven or something. So um, yeah. I wish I would have kept you know had uh, held on to that. Um, I, and be, just for the collecting wise, yeah. I wish I would have bought the Sega CD. <laughs> the uh, yeah. you know that that's probably the only one that I kind of maybe wish I would have would have had because nobody. Well, the thing with that is like that those were games so... for it and they're so crappy and they were really expensive at the time. I think too. Yeah. They were the, those console add-ons are so prohibitively expensive. But here's an interesting fact for I bet you most of you didn't know this, and I didn't know it till a couple of days ago that the the PlayStation was originally meant as an add-on for the Super Nintendo by Yamaha. No, by Sony. Well, maybe it, it was, maybe the original Sony PlayStation they thought of. But the PlayStation One that you went out and bought in 1995 was originally designed by Yamaha, and they couldn't—they were gonna—they couldn't put it out because nobody would buy a Yamaha station. Huh. So they sold it to Sony, and Sony maybe did have the idea, and I didn't know about that. This is the first time I've yeah. heard about that. But they may have come out with a thing where they said, "Okay, the Super Nintendo's really good. Now let's make this," and then they couldn't get Nintendo to go with it. And I bet you they went looking, they found Yamaha, and then they just bought that from there. But yeah. I didn't know about that. That, that makes well, sense. Well, there was actually. actually there was actually a CD drive announced I think informally for the N64. Do you remember that? They yeah, they had one for the N64. They actually had but the it never released. There's actually an expansion on the Super Nintendo as well that I had no idea yeah. you could use for, but they had yeah. it on there. Oh wait, the con- the 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 N64 called the 64DD was actually released in Japan. Scheduled for a 2000 release in America, um but was a commercial failure, I guess. Right. There was only 15,000 units sold. Right. And it was discontinued in August of 2000. Huh. I don't even wow. Yeah, if you look at a picture of that thing, it's hideous. Right. Most of those things were But then you look at the Xbox. That thing's a big black box. Literally, just a black box with an X on top. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, and that's just a have, you know. Like, I just wish I had one, but I wish I had it 
for me was new, you know? <laughs> yeah. I kind of wish I would have bought the Sega Saturn. And every time I go into my retro game store, I, they have a Saturn, and it's only like 40 bucks, And it comes with two controllers. And I kind of got to... I got to talk myself out of buying it because I don't need it. Um, you know, how when you cool when, it would be to have it on your shelf and say, "I have a Sega Saturn." I'm I'm actually more pissed off that I turned down the opportunity to purchase a Sega Game Gear with every single Game Gear game for twenty bucks. Now that was turned it that down. was a dumb deal because the Game was Gear a, was pretty sweet actually. As long as you had the AC adapter, yeah. if you had to use batteries, I mean, you got maybe forty five minutes out of eight AA batteries. Right. And that was like, and I had a Game Gear at one point, but I have no idea what I did with it. Right, that was like the first color screen game, and I remember Sonic was on there, and I remember partying. I remember the first time I seen one, I was on a plane, and the guy that was in the aisle across from me uh, was playing on one, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> yeah, they're crazy. They're super cool." Um, I, I wish I would have kept the power cords for my Sega Genesis and my Sega 32X. I have the consoles, but I don't have the power cords for them. Mm. Um, side note, I was at Target the other day, and Christy found in the electronics department, they have a new Sega console that you can attach to the TV that's got 80 Sega games built into it, but it can also actually play the cartridges? Sega cartridges. Yes, I've heard of that, yes. And it's only 40 bucks, and it comes with wireless controllers. So basically, you can get a, an updated Sega Genesis for 40 bucks with 80 games. Huh. You can't beat that. No, you cannot. But it's super plasticky. It's right. real chintzy. Oh, I'm, I believe it. So They probably made it for like two bucks. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> um, I would... I don't know. I just like I'm so I'm actually pissed off for him. Like that's terrible. I can't. I've had my car broken into, and you you just you kind of for anybody who's never had something of theirs broken into. Yeah, we've all had little things here and there stolen from us, but like broken into, there's just that that pure feeling of violation. And the only thing that was stolen out of my car was my sub, my my subwoofer and my amp out of the trunk. But like. Something as personal as a gaming collection, I just. Right, it's just. I wish we could do something for this guy. Yeah, well, we can uh, think of something. I'm sure. Talk to the other peoples, see what they can come up with. Yeah, that dude, that sucks. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, you can get get back some semblance of, of what you had. Um, the the cool part of it is, and I guess there's always a silver lining, is that, yeah, it sucks to start over, but just like we were talking about with, with Skyrim and, and Morrowind earlier, is that you have that opportunity to start over and do it the way that you want to this time. So maybe in your gaming collection before you had those 25 or 30 games that sucked, and you're like, I, I really don't need these, you don't have to feel obligated to repurchase those. Just purchase the games that you want in your collection. You know what we should try to do with our website, with the website there or something? We should come up with a way, because this is something that's been going on since we started the, the show, where a lot of people are looking for games and they're collecting and they want to they get games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't know where to go to find them. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe we could use some type of sort of a form or some type of uh, information log where our, our listeners can post what they have available to to trade or sell, um, so people can get games that they're looking for or trade games that I they're could, looking for. I could look into kickstarting the uh, forums on Mana Tank again. I mean, that may be kind of that may be kind of a, a neat idea, especially maybe somebody wants to reach out and help some other. Uh, person or whatnot. So, if you, if anybody's listening, and don't take this as a, as as panhandling, but if anybody's listening and, and you you feel compelled to help, get in touch with us. We'll we'll put things together. Like I I personally want to do something to help him out. I feel really bad. Like to have your entire gaming collection stolen sucks. If it was just a couple games, you're like well, you can replace those, but everything, right. So, I really hope though. Before, I really hope though that since it was two months ago, you know, I'm sure you maybe calmed down a little bit. He seemed kind of happy in his email, so that was nice. He gave a smiling face. Yeah, well, but I really, time. I really hope that like his collection was so massive that it was like that episode of Big Bang Theory where they're listing every game that was stolen, and he's talking to the officers, and he's just like, "I have this gun." <laughs> it's just, it's just everything that would be. Really sweet if that was something like that, that actually be. happened, um, but unfortunately, I'm still like, like I feel really bad for you, man. So I really, really hope everything is safe and you know you feel safe in your home again. Um, that takes a while. That takes a long time. And uh, you know, hopefully, you you know you're feeling better about things. <laughs> but that would suck. Well, if you want to write any. Comments, suggestions, thoughts, stories, anything. Send them in to factorysealed at manatank.com. Um, our two-man show actually turned out to be longer than our four-man shows. Yeah, it did. Well, well, considering the first hour was about politics and Thanksgiving and all that, I suppose. But, but hey, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Aaron, what what video games are you thankful for? Let's be that cheesy. Well, you'll be that cheesy. Well. Let's be that cheesy. Well. Let's repeat myself again and again and again. I'm thankful for Faxanadu. I'm thankful for the Final Fantasy series. I'm thankful for good football games like Tech Mobile and Super Tech Mobile and Madden. I'm thankful for Elder Scrolls series. <laughs> Is the list of games you're not thankful for shorter? <laughs> I'm thankful for the Smurfs. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and oddly enough, you're thankful for Goof Troop. No, I'm not. No, but it has no. it has given you hours and hours of immense pleasure to talk about mm. Goof Troop. So I am pretty thankful for that. <laughs> um, but that, yeah. I, on a serious note, dude, I'm thankful that we have people that listen to us. That is very cool. Like that to me, that's that's the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you guys have been listening to us forever, thank you. Hopefully, you keep listening. Uh, if you're new, hopefully we don't suck, and you stick with us, and kind of entice you to go back and listen to our earlier shows, and 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 kind of watch us evolve to what we are now. Uh, well, here. And if you share, if you share us with other people, even more thanks. And I would also like to thank. I'm not sure. Uh, all the listeners who have started their own podcasts based on just listening to our podcasts. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's that's really cool. I'm really thankful for that. 
Now, the only thing I'm not I'm not sure about is whether or not they started their own podcast because they're like, man, these guys are really dumb, and I want to I want to say what I want to say. Well, and we got idiots. or we get emails <laughs> or we get emails pretty regularly from people saying. Yeah. You know, what advice do you have? And then I always find it kind of cool that they put that little byline in there saying, you know, I'm not trying to encroach on your audience. And then they kind of outline what their show is going to be. And if they stick to that, it's not even remotely close to what we do. Right. It's not. I mean, like, like Nick Stevens with 90s Entertainment Show branched out and they had, they have a show that, yeah, it does cover 90s gaming, but it covers TV, entertainment, sports, just life in the 90s. Whereas we're geared strictly towards gaming. Right. Or whatever comes out of our mouth. Yeah, and then and then uh, what was it? Uh, well, yeah, uh, Michael Kelso has started his own retro podcast. I think it's everything retro, really, in that in that one. I believe I haven't yeah. I haven't seen him post anything yet about where to listen to it. But I do find that cool, and a lot of our listeners are actually listening to those guys too. So well, it's a nice little and intertwinement I, there, and I'm thankful for that. I think what 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 really sets us apart is that you see a lot of podcasters out there and a lot of YouTube people who they get a lot of followers and I'm not going to say we have a lot, but we have a good chunk. I mean, our podcast is, is approaching a million downloads. So Dang, I didn't know that. We have, like, just the Manatank name in general is is close to a million downloads, which is a, it's, it's nothing to shake a stick at. But we interact with our, our community and you see a lot of uh, of YouTube people out there who they they kind of do, but it's it's always at that arm's reach. Like I'll interact with you on my terms, and a lot of people can attest to this. Like if you add me as a friend on Steam, I'll accept it, and if you say hi to me, I'll sit and talk with you. Like I'm not, we're not trying to sit here and pretend that we're people. We're not, and I think that's what what connects a lot of people with us is that. I'm I'm a former teacher turned IT person. You're a GameStop store manager turned salesperson, and, and Jess is an adjunct college professor. And Kev works in a in a warehouse. Like we're nobody special, right? And it's just it's cool that w- we can do this. We don't see any money from this, but well, it's, you don't. it's great that I I uh, well had, I know that I had you all the sell G- it. I had all the Gmail and the YouTube stuff that I do from this come right to me. <laughs> it's enough to fund your Thanksgiving it's, Day yeah, Chinese. I, got a, I, got a, I made a whole five dollars in the last year based on the show. Not such I think <laughs> to put it in perspective, I've been I've been doing Manatank for two and a half years now, and it got to the point last year where we just took ad revenue off because it was. It was ugly. In the two years that we had it up, I saw six dollars, six bucks, six bucks. And there was a time where I was putting in thirty hours a week doing this stuff because I like doing it. However, I'm I'm not going to mince words with people unless you really love it. Like if you have these grandiose dreams of making a living doing it, great, go for that. But it's not going to happen. Like the barrier to entry on this crap is so huge that. It's just it's better to to stay doing what you're doing because you love it, and if it takes off, awesome. But don't go into you know. I used to get emails all the time from from middle school kids saying, "Hey, I'm getting ready to start my YouTube career. What suggestions do you have?" To which I would always respond, "Don't or stay in school right. and and do it as a side don't note." Quit but your day job. <laughs> first of all, don't call it a career. 
because it's not. It will eventually dry up. It will. Nothing lasts forever, especially that, because regardless of how big your community gets, your followers are going to grow up. You may grow out of it, and it's like you don't have any skills to fall back on. Get a real job and do this as a hobby because it's a great hobby. Like I genuinely look forward to every Wednesday night. It's good. So that's what I'm thankful for. I'm just thankful we have such a cool community. Well, you know, you guys are awesome. Hold on one second here. I'm I'm gonna hold. Did excellent. You mute me. Excellent. Excellent. I just I just got us an excellent ten out of ten awkward silence. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. And on that note, Aaron, where can we find you, you can on find Twitter? Us at Quilted Tunic. And you can find me at oh, Honest Pizza. Don't we can't say goodbye yet because next week, because this week was supposed to be Capcom week with our special guest Jesse Vandy Walker. But that is because we forgot it was Thanksgiving and time and map and all we know calendar stuff didn't work out. So next week he will be with us talking about Capcom games. I believe he's you guys, going Breath of Fire. You guys have a phenomenal Thanksgiving. Uh, don't kill anybody at Black Friday. The deals aren't worth it. Buy all your crap online. Um, and eat a ton of turkey, pass out, play some games. Just have a good weekend. Also, you probably uh, are listening to this after Thursday, so I hope you're doing well. Hope you got everything you wanted to buy on Black Friday. And have a wonderful weekend. 